the Desert Ranch Podcast is brought to you from Indian Springs Working Ranch, located in the beautiful Pelencio Wilderness Mountains of eastern Arizona. Indian Springs Working Ranch provides guests with an authentic working ranch experience. Guests will herd cattle on horseback, repair fences, and live as real ranch hands do. Check it out at www.indianspringsworkingranch.com. Also brought to you by Our Lazy J Wildlife Ranch, an education and conservation breeding ranch in Eager, Arizona. Get up close and personal with more than 56 species from around the world. Encounter sloth and lemur, cheetah and clouded leopard, as well as many types of hooved, feathered, and scaled wildlife on the web at ourlazyjranch.com. Welcome to the Desert Ranch Podcast with Vanessa Rohr. Vanessa and her guests will give you some insight into the lives of those who are keeping us from being naked, hungry, and thirsty. Now, here is your host, Vanessa Rohr. Welcome again to the Desert Ranch Podcast. I'm here with our guest today, Stephen Lee, musician, cowboy, troubadour, artist. Am I leaving anything out, Stephen? Gosh, I, I don't know. I, I think that covered it. Retired, lazy, overweight uh, <laughs> are another few adjectives that you could put in there. Well, I'm so glad to have you on our uh, podcast today. And uh, for those listening, the intro is uh, music by Stephen Lee from wow. his album Flying Hearts. Songs from the Flying Heart. Flying yeah. Heart. Yes. And, Thank you uh, for that. That's so cool you guys would use that. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Tell us a little bit about um, that album. That was your first album? That was the first album. I, mm-hmm. I recorded other projects with other people years ago, but it was the first return uh, to recording music in quite a few years. And um, all those songs were written in Arizona, actually. They were all written in the state at various times in my life, and then um, we recorded them all at the Indian Springs Ranch Complex, which you now own. So that's a, that was a neat place. That's awesome. I feel like, you know, we, my husband, Jacob and I, we've always been open to whatever road lies before us. And, and if you asked me a year ago, would we be owning a ranch, um, off of I-10 <laughs> <laughs> coming down from the mountains? Mm-hmm. I would have thought, you know, you're absolutely crazy. It's never even crossed my mind. Uh, but as the stars would have it, uh, we came across that and, and, uh, through a friendship you and Jacob had through Facebook. Of all things. Yeah. Yeah, and it's such a beautiful piece. And when when I'm out there on the ranch, I feel so insignificant because hmm. of just. I mean, I just sit there at the headquarters, and I'm just looking at these these pillars of rock around us, and I just think, wow, and where am I in the universe right now? Yeah. Well, we were talking the other day when we were moving things off, and the boneyard behind your house is representational of the last probably 150 years, at least right there in the bone stack. There's wrought iron from wagons from the first settlers, the Cameron family that moved up there. Uh, there was you know, people from the 40s and the 50s who've left their little contribution to metal. Then, of course, there was me, the blacksmith, who left probably more metal than, than any of us or all of us put together times 10. But if you kind of go through it, it's a, it's a little timeline uh, just right there at the house. And that entire house sits on an old prehistoric Indian site. So from time to time, you'll be digging around trying to dig up a water leak and all of a sudden here's an arrowhead or a pot shard or there's it, it the place is full of history so that must be why i love it so much this was a totally random um meeting i had at a conference years ago with a security guard i was i was coming through the hallway and just randomly completely randomly started talking to the security guard and uh he asked where i was from and i said well i'm, I'm from south dakota and and uh you know now we're living in arizona and and i really love it and you know I, there's a lot of places that i i think are beautiful that i like but i i really love it and he he just looked at me honestly within 30 seconds of meeting he said well that's because you have an ancient soul oh, so, now I, we don't, know. <laughs> I don't know if that was i don't think he was trying to you know 
to 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 get fresh or anything like that. But I well, we don't it know. was very profound. We I thought know. he might have been trying to get fresh, but when he meets your husband, I think he'll he'll call back <laughs> down. And, this is uh, true. But it is an old soul's place, and and in, in the sense that um, the Moki people were there Mugium. originally. The Mugiyom people, the Moki people are up north. The Mugiyom people were there. Somewhere 1,500 to 2,000 years ago, nobody's really sure, and the data's still out. The conquistadors came through there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bandits of the Sierra Madre have passed through there. Uh, the cavalry from Bowie, it goes on and on. And, um, you know, eventually it was you know, settled permanently by cattlemen, but um, I, there's just untold history there. The miners, it was mined at one point. There's little mining claims all around it, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a well, special place. Well, we're very fortunate to be there, and uh, very fortunate to have crossed your path. Um, and as you mentioned, you record music there, and you've, you've had other artistic endeavors. Yeah. And um, where where do how long have you been a musician and an artist? What's funny because I started playing music when I was twelve years old, right here in Tucson, Arizona. <laughs> my mom took me down to get my first snare drum uh, from the Chicago music store out on the east side and uh, that's where it all started bless her heart any mother who raises a drummer should get a rebate Uh, and they supported me in that and I started playing guitar years after that and started writing songs and you know that's where we're at today but it all started here back in 1976 or something like that so so you've almost come full circle I have yeah totally that's great totally and um, in between there, you've been a, a rancher. Ranched a little. Yep. Ranched a little, I'll say. Because we always had, you know, we never had more than 100 cows. So it was sort of like, you know, we ranch, but we've always had to work. Mm-hmm. So Kate's worked and I've worked and we do whatever we have to do to make the ends meet. Mm-hmm. And get to enjoy ranch life kind of between the heats of all of that. And I would say that's really pretty typical. You know, they say behind every successful rancher is a wife that works in town. Yeah. Or runs a zoo. <laughs> or runs a zoo. And a podcast. <laughs> and, you know, or whatever else the kids and raises the kids. And on and on and on. Yeah. Right, right. You can't make it anymore. I mean, and I, I don't even know if the old timers, you know, without having everything paid for in, in their good years would have had a really tough time. It's a, such a difficult business to be in. Why do you think we do it? No, I think it's for the love of it. It's the love of animals. I, mm-hmm. I think people who ranch have just got a kindred spirit with animals and uh, horses and cattle and dogs. And, uh, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like being horseback and going out onto your place and gathering your cattle and working. It's just mm-hmm. uh, beyond words, for sure. It's very special. Absolutely, place. I agree. Yeah, the, those uh, such amazing connections and. Um, you know, I, I just look forward to it every day and yeah, you guys are going to be great up there. It's, it's a neat place and it, and it really kind of requires younger people. Wouldn't you say? <laughs> Cause it is, it's just, as you point out, it's real rocky, mm-hmm. it's real rough and it requires, you know, packing horses into build fence and it requires, you know, dogs to slow up cattle and it requires, you know, a little bit better, then off I go with my four-wheeler. You know, it, it takes right. a cowboy to kind of keep that place together. And you guys are going to do great at it. Well, thank you. And we appreciate, too, the mentorship, of course. It's invaluable. And Don't follow me. <laughs> yeah, we'll get lost for sure. But you have the, the heart and the spirit for it. And that, that's what I think. I don't care if you're a flatland rancher on a four-wheeler, if you're up there, you know, tapping off colts and running dogs and blah, 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 blah. But it, it, it's all about the heart. And if you want to do it, you'll get it done. And I know you guys will. That's awesome. You know, um, my family that's not familiar with Arizona, I'm originally from South Dakota, and then I went to school in Iowa, Iowa State College of Ag. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll ask, they, they kind of, they're not directly, but, you know, they, they want to know what it's like to ranch in Arizona. And, and, um, I always tell them, well, if you've ever seen that way, that movie, a million ways to die in the West, it's pretty much like that every day. Uh, There's like, I don't know, 86 species of cactus and 36 types of rattle, venomous snake, uh, you know, Gila monsters, cat's claw, um, 
you name we, it. We have it all. Yeah. yeah. All the yeah. good stuff. So what, uh, do you have any good stories about uh, Indian Springs Ranch? And and uh, I don't want to say, nothing's like, well, there could be near-death stuff. But, you know, every, every day is an exercise in risk management, right, when we're out there? It is. It is, and it gets uh, to a point where you, you know, you want to strap some kind of a GPS on your cowboys and make sure you know where they're going when they go off to gather cattle. And I used to carry a zoom spot or something to kind of um, let Kate know where I was in case I got way back, which is often the case. And um, probably, I mean, you know, running cattle back and forth isn't that big of a deal. And the dogs handle the majority of the brunt of that. But I would say probably the lion hunting is the thing that kept my attention. And mm-hmm. lions are so hard to hunt, and they're so hard to hunt in dry country. And I'm not a good lion hunter, so, you know, stack all that against me. But we would get into situations and pockets of country with cliffs and, you know, one bad step kind of place. And um, uh, that... I would say probably had my hair out more than anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was, was it the lions that you were worried about or was it the terrain we that you were on? them unless they came in to kill. I, mm-hmm. I wasn't a sport hunter. I, I don't, I'm not a sportsman hunter. I don't, you know, I, I've done that. And, um, but I, I wasn't chasing the lions for that. We would have them come in and kill calves. And those were the ones that I tried to hunt. So I didn't do it for recreation as much as I was right. trying to preserve what we had up there. And the cats aren't usually a problem until they get too thick. Mm-hmm. And then as they get to where they're outnumbering, they show up and eat a lot more than they normally would. So that's when we start to try to brush them back. Right. And it's not just your cattle that the, the cats are after. You've mm-hmm. got an amazing herd of bighorn sheep yeah. up there. Yeah. And sheep and deer mm-hmm. and uh, mountain lions. I really prefer that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, before they'll take, they'll have to fight a mama cow to get a calf, mm-hmm. uh, and they can take down a bighorn a lot easier. You know, so we would see kills um, of ewes and uh, smaller kids, uh, you know, more so than cattle. But, right. Yeah. And then when you're not worried about mountain lions, you, you okay, have the occasional bear that oh, wanders yeah. through. Yeah, thank Camp. God it's not heavy bear country, but when it dries out, they kind of wound up in that country. Mm-hmm. And we had one come on a few years ago that kept getting closer and closer. And over the course of several weeks, finally wound up at the house, and he'd killed one cow for sure, and maybe a calf. I'm not really sure what he wound up doing, but he kept getting closer and closer and was hungry and couldn't catch those bighorns. What he, what he was trying to do was run down a bighorn and couldn't get it done. So he wound up at the house one night trying to kill the dogs, and and that's when we ran into him. So, mm-hmm. yeah. You have another, going back to your music, you, you put out um, One More Rain. After one Rain your, Away. One Rain Away. Yeah. I apologize for that. One Rain yeah. Away. Yeah. yeah. Was that also inspired by uh, the Indian Springs Ranch? It is. And I think anyone who ranches in the Southwest, you know, we all go by that. And I'm, I'm pretty sure it was Mel Gonzalez who coined that phrase and gave it to me. But, uh, you know, try to hang in there. You know, we're one rain away. And we literally are one good rain away from having better calves, better breed up, better bulls, better everything on the ranch is, is, is literally one rain away. So, you know, in good years where we're getting normal rain and plenty of it, you know, we're all great ranchers. When it hasn't rained in nine months, we're having a tough time holding it all together. And when it really starts to get thin and you've written a lot of checks to supplement feed and everything else it's it's hard to stay alive out there but it rains and then it all goes away and we pull back on the boots and go back out and keep going right so that's where the inspiration came from that that makes us maybe two parts um eternal optimist and um one part delusional sometimes (laughs) (sighs) three parts survivalist yeah yeah, i don't know (laughs) But, you know, I think I think life's that way for, for a lot of us, even, you know, people that are living in Silicon Valley are wondering what the next move is out there. I mean, we True. all sort of live that way. But I think what's so great about ranching is, is that you're, it's the direct connection to it. Mm-hmm. There's nothing in between you and it. You're in it. You're a part of it. You're a part of nature. Um, so you're not working at a desk in a cube with a headset. I mean, you're on your horse, beating the ground. 
So it's direct contact with it anyway. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, We're going to break now for a word from our sponsor. We'll be back in just a minute. The Desert Ranch Podcast is brought to you from Indian Springs Working Ranch, located in the beautiful Pelencio Wilderness Mountains of Eastern Arizona. Indian Springs Working Ranch provides guests with an authentic working ranch experience. Guests will herd cattle on horseback, repair fences, and live as real ranch hands do. Check it out at www.indianspringsworkingranch.com. Also brought to you by our Lazy J Wildlife Ranch, an education and conservation breeding ranch in Eager, Arizona. Get up close and personal with more than 56 species from around the world. Encounter sloth and lemur, cheetah and clouded leopard, as well as many types of hooved, feathered, and scaled wildlife on the web at rlazyjranch.com. You're listening to the Desert Ranch Podcast with Vanessa Rohr. We hope you are connecting with our guest today. Now, back to the show. Here again is Vanessa Rohr. And we're back with Stephen Lee, musician, artist, retired rancher. Retired. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you have me out to day work. I'm, yeah. We, we I'm do promise to have you out to day work. Really? Yes, Thanks. absolutely. I I'll bring my own sandwich. Thanks. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, do you eat Brunschweiger, by the way? <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I don't eat anything I can't pronounce. Okay. As a okay. rule of thumb. Yeah. <laughs> but whatever it is, I'll try it. Let's see. It's some sort okay. of liver pate. Oh, well, there yeah. you go. Yeah. Then I'm okay. busy that day. But anyway. <laughs> Kate will come. Yeah. She probably eats that. That was something my grandfather always packed. Yeah. That and a Miller High Life. Yeah. That was a good life. <laughs> the champagne of beer. Damn come right. on. Yeah. So now you're here in Tucson. Mm-hmm. Tell us about mm-hmm. what your next endeavors entail. I'm going to reopen my blacksmith shop of yesteryear and uh, get into that. And I'll go back to sculpting because mm-hmm. uh, I really enjoyed that life too. What does that look like? Uh, you know, opening up your black shop, blacksmith shop, and and you know how walk us through a day. So I don't have the forge set up now. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the tools are there, but I need to kind of set up an area. And um, once I get going, I probably what we did in the past was really large architectural pieces, so huge stair railings and giant lights and. Uh, huge homes it would take, you know, months to years to work on. And this time it's going to be smaller stuff. And it'll be things that, that aren't so um, hard on my body, things that are just a little easier to forge and pack and maybe go to, you know, instead of taking orders, forge ahead of time and then go to market and try to sell them that way. Mm-hmm. So Excellent. That's the plan. And Kate does some blacksmithing too? Kate's more of a welder. Okay. She welds okay. a little bit and she grinds and she's... The best thing that Kate does uh, for us is, um, because she was in architecture school, she's a, a tremendous drawer. So if we get a project, she is great about taking, I, I can tell her verbally what it is, and she takes a pencil and articulates it in a way that the customer can understand it. So that, that's been her best. Uh, that sounds like a great team. Yeah. And, and that sounds like a full-time occupation or hobby, but you have so many other endeavors too. So you've got your sculpting. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. I got to get back to sculpting and, uh, those two things primarily. And then we kept the horses cause I, I can't get away from the horses. Yeah. Horses have got to be a part of my life. They have been for years and I've had little, um, blocks of time where I didn't have them, but I'm, I'm a better person. Uh, with especially this little group we have now, the couple mares we have and their colts, and they're just really, really good horses. So I'll keep riding and I'll train a few, and we'll see. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, it's fun. And uh, do you have something coming out in the near future musically? <sighs> By the goading of my management, Stuart Williamson, we are going to do an acoustic record so there's going to be no rock and roll no loud electric guitars no loud you know i'm banned from all of it it has to be acoustic only so it's going to be i think 11 or 12 songs i've got it kind of more or less laid out and um 
have started recording snippets of it. Um, but basically, it's going to be an all-acoustic album that'll have instruments as old as 1913 up until, you know, stuff that was made last year. So it'll all be made on acoustic instruments from the last hundred years, yeah. from songs I've written probably out of the last, you know, ten I can't wait for Primarily that. Barely last maybe five years, so yeah. Yeah, I, I. Everybody says that it's about time you grow up and do something <laughs> sensible, something acoustic that the rest of us can listen to. You're not a child anymore. Cut the hair. Let's get with it. But who would you say on your previous albums was you know, some of your big influences? Good question. Uh, because I, I never, uh, I, I grew up listening to Johnny Cash and I grew up listening to Willie Nelson and, you know, I listened to country Western music almost straight away until uh, right around, you know, my early teens and and then the rebellious years start. <laughs> and, uh, and I did, I, I listened to rock and roll from that era with The Who and Led Zeppelin and Bachman Turner Overdrive and Thin Lizzy and blah, blah, blah. So I have a an amalgamation of, you know, I, I think Willie Nelson is one of the most brilliant songwriter, musician, personality types ever. As you can see, at his age, they're still out there doing it. So he's just legendary. Johnny Cash, of course. But then, you know, the, the people who really articulate the kind of music that I was interested in were, are the rock and rollers. Those, those guys are the players. Country music's about telling a story. Rock and roll music is about playing. It's, 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 it's you know, amalgamation of both, but it, it, it's how we play rock that gets interesting. And, and country is more about telling a story. So hopefully, uh, like especially on this next one, uh, I'll achieve both of that because I, I do want to tell a story in everything I do, but this one will be more audible because there won't be Marshall Stacks blaring over whatever we're saying. <laughs> I love it. This time. I love it. Um, well, what we're hoping for, so with the Indian Springs Ranch, you know, we're, we plan to make that a working ranch, a working experience. So um, right now we have a group that's looking at coming over in the spring from France. Yeah, and you guys. They, believe it or not, I don't believe this. I will believe it when I see it, but apparently they want to build fence with us. Unbelievable. I'm not sure if they know what that Unbelievable. entails in the state of Arizona where we're at but they will and um and we, we definitely want to have if we can have you out wow to to meet them and maybe sing around the, the fireplace for putting me and... on the spot that way and i really <laughs> will blame your husband for all of that uh and you know i will because um i wanted to come up to xa and play and and i you know i i'm uh, to be quite honest i'm trying to overcome a, a stage fright scenario that I've had ever since I was a, a kid and I'm getting better at it and I'm getting braver at it and I've worked on it you know with a psychologist to try to help me build up some courage uh, shy of drinking which I don't do anymore for the last 34 years but I, I will make an appearance because it's good growth for me to show up and play and um, it's funny that you guys I've thought a lot about that because that we take it for granted because we live here. I'm a fourth generation native Arizonan and there's rock piles have always been a part of it. You know, I know no sand, right? We know no, it's all rock and whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, it's horses and dogs and blah, 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 on and on and on. But we grew up with it. So we know this way of life. Someone from France who just reads about this life, mm -hmm. I could see where they'd want to come over and get their hands dirty. And I could right. see where, you know, um, getting in the middle of things, so to speak, could really be a life-changing experience for those guys. Mm -hmm. So we sort of snicker about it, like, why would you want to come out? But I get it, you know? And I think it's for the same reason that so many of Americans go over to Europe, you know, to see what, what's across the pond and how are these people living? And I, I think we're more interested in getting in the middle of that culture than we are going to Europe Disney, so to speak. Right. So I, th I think that's what you're offering, is an opportunity to get on a horse, go out with your husband, who's... You know, a real cowboy, a real rancher, and, you know, same thing, third or fourth generation Arizona guy who grew up in the heart of some of the toughest ranch country in the world. So, right. I get it. Yeah, and and not that, uh, I love that the 
our clients and the people that are telling us they're interested in this aren't doing it because they want anything that's easy and they they don't want anything that is uh, Disney. They do want authentic. They'll get it there. Yes, absolutely. That's as real real of a ranch experience as anybody could have. Even seasoned cowboys come up there and think, wow. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a neat place. It's really, really beautiful. But you have to be careful, don't you? It's not a... Yeah. Got to watch out for the Mojaves. Oh, my God. Scorpions. You bet. Yeah. You bet. I do have an idea, though, for okay. your stage fright. Good. You know, we... A couple... I'm just going to throw these out there. Okay. We we could do we could put up a screen. A screen so, would be good. So then it's like um, the voice. Yep. Right. Um, or what's that other show where they wear uh, a costume? The singer in the mask or the mask singer or something like that. I think it was Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that that if I had a cape. Like maybe yeah. a cape that would make you kind and of like feel a powerful. White mask, I think that or what about some gold armbands also? Maybe that. Okay. I think that would that would help a lot. And then I think um, dancing girls in cages and acoustic music go hand <laughs> right. in hand. Yeah. And I just think that, that somehow, true. if you know, if you were playing something, you know, soft from James Taylor, but you had you know like the Nancy Sinatra girls, in yeah, the cage, some go go right? boots. That's what I'm saying. And I think that would really help ease everybody. I know it would put me at ease. For sure. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> and other things. <laughs> well, we'll get with our architect on that. And uh, <laughs> top welder. <laughs> and our top welder. I know him, by the way. I'll put a call in. Yeah. Sounds good. I love it. We may not be able to find girls, but Coda Mondays are plentiful up there. This so is can't true. Bikini clad girls. Coda Mondays. I forget about the Coda Mondays. Um, what about. Um, we'll see them. What about the ringtail cats? Do you ever see those around there? We do, really rarely. They, you know, they're kind of a nocturnal yeah. uh, animal, so we'd see them at night coming and going. Yeah. And then once in a while, we had a trail that we hiked pretty religiously because we were both trying to stay in shape. Um, there was a crag there full of ringtails, and occasionally really? you'd see one zipping around. Yeah. They're really great. They are, they are such neat animals. When I was at Arizona, we had a pair. Yeah. and um, But they were, like you said, very, very nocturnal, so they didn't do a lot during yep. the day. But I love the stories uh, from, you know, old miners and that sort of thing that, you know, they used to hang out with them in the in the mines. Um, and I guess at Grand Canyon, they have some that can be seen during the day that oh, are very really? human habituated. But Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're great. Do you have a do you have a favorite um, species that you're gonna miss down here in Tucson from the ranch? Good question. Uh, you know, we never got tired of seeing bighorn sheep, mm-hmm. and I got to a point where I, you know, I I wouldn't stop all the time, uh, but a lot of times I stopped and took time and filmed and. That, they're so majestic and they're so out of place in a way down there considering everything else is small and hidden and in the crags and blah 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 those rams are just beautiful they're such neat animals to see when those ewes have had their kids and they're bouncing up and down those rocks at the drinkers it's the cutest thing in the world mm-hmm. and uh, so I think the sheep is, that's going to be something I, I miss and then um you know, the Sonoran Desert's special, right? Yeah. I grew up, I was born in Coconino County, where you you guys were from, and um, so I had a sense of things that lived in the Ponderosas, but I grew up in Phoenix and Tucson after that time, and uh, the desert just grows on you in a way that nothing else can, and so um, I don't know, other than the rams, like, I, I don't know. Cotamundis are amazing to see, especially when they're in a pack and it looks like a bunch of monkeys going over the... Right. You know, that's phenomenal. I will not miss Havelina ever. Uh-huh. Yeah, had enough of those. But, um... Yeah, we'd see Gila, you'll see Gila monsters. and Yeah, those two, but yeah, probably Cotamundis and Bighorns were the animals that I sort of 
went out of my way to look look and see. From here, I know you can ride out. You can kind of get into the wilderness yeah. on your horses and that yeah. sort of thing. Would you? Will you get to Big Bighorn Country from here? I don't know if they have them in the ring cons or not. I, I haven't. I don't. I don't know. But yeah, we hit the Tagarudi Wash, and we can ride all the way to the ring cons and parts beyond. I mean, it's a it's a neat transitional place for us mm-hmm. because we did want to keep our horses and we wanted to keep that aspect of our ranch life together and then let you guys do all the work. That was, I think, the plan. <laughs> it, we uh, appreciate that because our okay. listeners may not realize, but we have this agreement, right? So that when, when you're, you guys are ready to move into the retirement yes. home, we're coming to town yes. Yes. and we'll buy, we'll buy this house you. Yeah. from you. And this house will be in much better shape than the last house we left you. I promise. <laughs> and even the sculpture garden, may have it there so yeah we'll have a different uh and then we'll go to a fourth quarter if we live that long but yeah but this is a place that we can continue to ride and relax and enjoy part of that rural life but not be so pinned down by it um right because as you guys know i don't if you have five if you have 50 if you've got 500 the ranch owns you the ranch owns you because of your obligation to your animals, and that's what comes first. And so if there's broke water, you're not going to Euro Disney or anywhere else. Mm-hmm. You're there. And, um, you know, we're tying up prolapses in the middle of the night and pulling calves and blah, 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 and doctoring horses. Uh, the animals are your boss at that point. And so hopefully here we're going to have a, a little more free time. Yeah. Good for you guys. We're excited to hear about all those endeavors. We'll, we'll be living vicariously through yes, you for sure. Yes, vice versa. Yeah. yeah. Tell me about um, some of the things that you've watched in the industry. You know, we previous conversations you and I have had, we've talked about what's going on in New Mexico, for example, with the wolves and yeah. some of the challenges that you see other ranchers yeah. um having to deal with has that been has, has there been more or less in the in recent years or has it kind of been the, the same old same old struggle well the government just took it upon themselves to start shooting cattle from a helicopter in the Gila yesterday which uh, stunned us all yeah what stunned us all and I kept thinking you know we've heard these people rattle the saber where's the PETA people where's the environmentalists you know where are people that are supposed to care about you know they're behind this right yeah all the people that care you know the the single most disturbing thing for me today and I'm glad I'm on the other side of it and passing the torch is that the people who produce and the people who consume okay the agrarian people and the urbanized people um are so far apart. And I, I, I just am constantly amazed about how little people understand. You know, it's, it's beef, sure, it's leather, but it's 20 other some products and byproducts and tallow products and cosmetics. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Uh, facets of stainless steel, I think, are still dependent on the beef mm-hmm. industry. I mean, it, there's so many things we use day to day. And I, I'm disturbed when I, I meet kids that just... They want to be vegan and they're not really sure why or they're protesting this or protesting that. It's concerning to me that somebody's really good and okay with smoking a lot of pot but doesn't want to eat a hamburger because of what it's doing to the environment. That's a disconnect that I can't relate to. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that it's our job, especially younger people's, to try to make connection. Uh, we've made a big mistake in the past of thinking so much about ourselves. And that's kind of the rancher motto. We take care of ourselves. Well, that's, that's good. And we should take care of ourselves. But we should also make a big effort to get into the heads of some of these other people the way that the radical left is, mm-hmm. the way the radical environmentalists are, the way, you know, they're having such an impact on these people that, you know, they've literally sold them the idea that, yeah, you know, you, you, you need to smoke dope or whatever it is you're doing, but, you know, whatever you do, don't eat beef. You know, don't. <laughs> we had a kid show up to the house that um, had to have pork, uh, and we we didn't know if it was a religious reason or what. You know, we didn't understand what it was. But at some point in the conversation, it came up, and we said, "Well, you know, why is it that you you know eat pork instead of beef or anything else?" And she said, "You know, because of the way cattle were raised compared to pigs, she felt more compelled to 
eat pork. And I thought, this is the world we're living in. Right. People have no idea where their food comes from. And it's just, you know. Um, if she could only see Charlotte out there. That's what I'm saying. It was funny because at the end of the weekend, Kate had taken her around and I think showed her a couple of pet cows and said, you know, let's, let's walk up to this one who's you know, being tortured or whatever it is that you've been fed <laughs> right. and pet her on the nose and give her a handful of cookies. And blah, on blah, her 660-acre pasture. <laughs> they have the best life. And, and right. you know, it's eating the fatted calf is biblical. Mm-hmm. It's We've been living off the land for hundreds of thousands, if not millions of years, right? I mean, nobody really knows. And this is what really concerns me right now, is is that there's just such a disconnect and such an animosity for each other. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I have friends in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. I have friends that were there on Mm 9-11. I I know what getting on the subway to go two hours to work to get to the top of something and sit in your cube, that's not an easy life. Right. Uh, they don't want to live that way, but it's it's th- those are the cards, and uh, it's hard to change out of that and be somebody else. But they have a tough life too, and uh, we have a tough life for all the things that we've talked about. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to sew up a prolapse at three a.m., do you? No. <sighs> None of us have it easy, mm-hmm. but somebody needs to eat. Somebody needs to make food, and um, you know we we take care of our own. To me, means you know. We take care of the people that are in this country. We take care of the people that are on this continent. Mm-hmm. I think alienating Canada was a bad idea, a really bad idea. Um, from an oil standpoint, from a beef standpoint, we those are friends of ours. Same with Mexico. Mm-hmm. We need to take care of each other. Um, not draw the line. If you don't want to eat beef, no problem. No problem. Um, I don't want to smoke pot. So I guess we come to that understanding that, you know, you're going to be you and I'm going to be me and we go on, but why parade around around it and try to convince everybody else to do it? That's what I don't understand. Right. It is exciting to watch what's been going on in Canada. And I think there's a lot of support right now. Yes, I mean, I, I want to cry every time I see them. Yeah. Mad love uh, for the Canadian yep. farmers and the truckers and what they're trying to yep. do. And, and and also just recognizing what they've had to go through, yeah. um, you know, during the last two years yeah. with their shutdowns and, and mandates and yep. all that. And We're real, real fond of Canada and spend a lot of time in Western Canada, have a lot of friends up there that are producers artists and you know all kinds of people oil people um, horsemen on and on and on and uh, they're a great group of people and uh, it's neat to see that they're standing up you know because they're fed up kind of like what's going on down here we're all fed up I think we keep waiting for some guy on a white horse to come to the White House and that's not going to happen we are the it, we it, are that we guy are, we have we to are. be that and guy it has to be grassroots and it has to be all of us making a decision that we're going to do better amongst ourselves and quit looking to the government to solve all our problems because it's not going to happen Right. It starts down here through education, and doing I, what you're doing today. Is, and I think what you mentioned, that. too, with it's New Mexico, that's proof that we don't want the government handling that problem, Absolutely right? Just, what a ridiculous thing. Absolutely. Uh, if you can get a helicopter in there to shoot these cattle, then you could probably get a helicopter in there to round up these cattle. Rusty McCorkle and his family have been gathering cattle up out of the Gila for years and do it great, and they're the best cowboys around and have taken care of that problem, they would rather shoot a cow, uh, waste the food, you know, let it rot out. And uh, there's absolutely no common sense in it when there's there's plenty of people wearing hats and riding horses that would go clean that, that up. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, it, it could have and should have been handled differently than it is, but this is what we're watching. It's, an, it's a more aggressive government. It's a more aggressive, you know... Um, people that are trying to make us into the bad guy. I can't remember when I wore my hat into town last and felt like one of the good guys. That era's behind us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we were on TV and John Wayne and blah, blah, blah. We were the good guys. Uh, and now, you know, we've been pinned as these horrible, horrible people. I can't think, you know, no one loves the land more than us. We live on it. Right. No one lives the land. I'm here. You're in town writing, you know, some some piece about what a bad guy I am, but there I'm in the middle of nature taking care of it. Right. How many bighorn sheep does your, did your water, but now our water, you guys water, run, because they're all the waters on private land. Exactly. You run at least 60 head plus 
Uh, I don't know how many deer day to day. Uh, you know, bears, mountain lions, coyotes, on and on and on and on. That's all off your private property. That's all your water. That's all, you know. And people forget that. Like, so, you know, that's what I'm saying. You know, we're, we're the bad guys when in actuality we're the ones taking care of business on the rural landscape. That's a fact of life and nobody right. can deny it. The minute we put Route 66 from Chicago to the coast, our environment was changed mm -hmm. um, indelibly. There's no way to go back. There's no way to go back. And until people realize that the single biggest problem in all of this is people, mm -hmm. there's too many people. And um, when I was born in Flagstaff in 1963, there wasn't 10,000 people. I don't know how many, how many people live on Earth. There's 4 million in Phoenix alone. I mean, we're so overwhelmed. They all got a drink somewhere. They've all got, you know, sewage issues. It goes on and on and on. They all need to eat. They all need to, well, the power has to come from somewhere now as we're shutting down the plants. I mean, quit trying to make some guy who's <laughs> growing food. Right. You know. And at the end the of the day, guy. that's what it is. It's not just that there's too many people. There's too many consumers. Yeah. So, you know, 99% of the population just consuming, 1% of us are trying to provide uh, exactly. food, energy, uh, clothing. Product. Product. <laughs> and the, the bottom line is, is that there's two types of people. Um, there's somebody who's on his knees, his or her knees, praying for an inch of rain. There's other people who hope it doesn't rain so they can go play golf. Right. That's it. And there's there's no connection. And that saddens me because it's it just, yeah. Um, we depend on each other. And uh, the producers need the consumers and vice versa. And to have that discord's really tearing everybody apart. Right. What do you think could change or what do you think? I mean, we met, we, you mentioned earlier grassroots is going to have to yeah. be the effort to make it change. But what do you, yeah. what do you think, what do you think we can do Jacob and I and every other small producer? I think it's things like this. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I think it's things like this. I follow about three or four, four or five um, young couples that are ranching in various degrees. I get the feeling that they're all pretty much small producers, but um, uh, probably, yeah, four or five, whatever. Um, they've started to post things that are calling out the facts. So when we hear, you know, the, our footprint and the carbon monoxide, blah, 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 these young people are saying, no, 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 no. They're fact-checking. They're taking the time. And they're sharp. You know, they're not... Um, they're they're educated and they're making statements in a way that will relate to younger people to say no 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 that's you're getting bad information and uh, it, it's it's really quite awesome and they're doing the same thing he he runs the cows and she's making purses or jewelry or something to kind of keep you know the ball rolling and uh, they're stepping up you know and they're making their own signs and they're they're trying to uh, wake people up to the fact that it's like you, you're not getting the whole story you're not getting the whole picture here. We're getting sound bites from, you know, the far left in Congress on little snippets that all of a sudden become the dialogue. And they're not. It's a bigger picture than that. And so I, I think things like what you're doing here by bringing people from France, from other countries, and educating them and showing them what you're doing firsthand, I think that's going to be huge. But we have to stay proactive. Um, a lot of us want to put our head in the sand and, again, you know, take care of ourselves. But um, I, I think in order to survive, we're going to have to really get vocal and mm -hmm. really stay active and, and do everything we can to educate people in a good way. Yeah. Awesome. That's definitely life goals for us. <laughs> um, you know, you, we mentioned several times about the rain and uh, how important it is and how it doesn't always come. Um, what are your experiences, you know, just with, or can you speak to a little bit about how important water and, and so have you ever had to deal with the water rights issues and how we use water and all that? I know that's a lot in Kate's wheel house um it is but it's it's the gold mm -hmm. it's the new gold and what settled the west in a lot of ways were people looking for actual gold and silver and um the new gold is water uh, and it'll all come down to water and uh you know climate change is a real thing 
Um, we don't know what the effects will be. I know what it's like to go with three inches of rain a year. I, I know what it's like to be in a 10-year drought. You know, so those are real things. Um, and it's just, yeah, I, I think we will argue uh, and sue and litigate and for water for the rest of time. And uh, there's cases that are in process now that are almost as old as I am. It still haven't been settled out. Still haven't been adjudicated. And I think that um, that's it. It'll all be about the water and hopefully we'll, you know, the, the water rights that are in place for people now, like in your case, mm -hmm. hopefully that just stays that way. Right. Hopefully that's your spring. That's your water. Those are your wells. Hopefully things at least at that level will stay the same. Uh, and going forward, who knows? Right. There's less of it. And you can go to Lake Powell to check it out. Right. So. As you know, Jacob's family's from the Buckeye area. Yeah. And it's real and they recently sold their family farm. Um and the water rights that go with it. And something that we've been seeing is, you know, when those farms are sold, the water rights then are also sold and they're not kept in Buckeye. No. Chandler buys them. Yep. So Chandler can water their golf courses and their soccer right. fields and people everybody's can gotta have a pool. Everybody's got to have Jacuzzi's, a pool. Exactly. On and on and on. Water feature fountains. Yeah. And, and you mentioned yeah. Lake Powell. It's heartbreaking. We've been, you know, driven by Lake Powell, Lake Mead. It's they're, they're practically puddles. It's incredible. Um, and, and so it's so hard. Uh, well, not hard for me. Uh, it's hard to read that, you know, the, the emphasis there has been on recreation, which, you know, we, we've got to let so much water out into the river for people to jet ski and, and then to water golf courses and all this sort of thing. Yeah. And, and who loses their water rights first? Right. It's the farmers. Um, so there's less water to grow hay fields yeah. and water your livestock. We have a situation that. like at Navajo where, where people can't have drinking water. I mean, yeah. so even peel it back to the bare minimum. Right. You know, there's people that can't get a drink. That's not right. That's not, you know, and that's all the other stuff above and beyond that. People always want to argue that, you know, a hundred acres of water on a hay field will, I can't remember what the quote is, you know, water 35 family dwellings and, you know, we need to develop and blah, blah, blah. Well, I, there's people that, that aren't even going to have that opportunity living all over the reservation that, that can't get a damn drink. Right. Much less water a field or, you know, it's off the chart. It's off the table. Um, so there's people really, really scrambling um, to try to hold things together for, you know, at least the priority water, right? Mm -hmm. And it seems to me that good drinking water would be uh, a top priority for everybody that lives in the Southwest. Yeah, you would hope. And I was hopeful when, you know, during the shutdowns, they started to shine a light onto what was going on, at least in Navajo Reservation, where you have multiple families, they have their, their hauled water, and then they have a hand-washing <laughs> bowl. And, you know, they're passing around COVID because they, they don't have an adequate water supply or, or you know, even enough to, for basic hygiene. And yeah. and then with the shutdown of the, on their reservation, it was even hard for people to go get their fresh water right. um, to bring it back. And I think uh, the rest of the country should be uh, outraged from a humanitarian exactly. standpoint. I mean, it's exactly. so hard to watch and know it's, that that goes on. It's a world country situation. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's sort of like the scenario I used before about the consumer and the producer. It doesn't count if I can't see it. Mm -hmm. Right? It doesn't matter if I, if I pull on a pair of leather shoes. I, I, I didn't skin that cow. In other words, I go and you know consume my product and all the stuff in the middle I'm blind to. Mm -hmm. Well, it, it's the same way. If, if I don't see uh, you know, the Begay family out of Chanto trying to get a drink of water, it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And because the media would never give that attention, it really doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. So now we have kids growing up in our state that don't even know who, you know, Navajos or who Hopis or who for, you know, the Tahono O'odham people. They have no idea who these people are, mm -hmm. much less that they actually would like a drink of water like the rest of us. Right. Wow, what a concept. Yeah, go Here to your are. tap, turn it on. Yeah, we have the NFL, we have the NBA, we have, you know, yeah, Whatever iPhones. Yeah, we have all the crap. <laughs> These people just want some water. And, and you know, they're not the only ones. Um, and clean water. Yeah. You know, uh, congratulations to Tucson for at least 
using the water out of the CAP properly. You know, at least at least they took it upon themselves to use it as a benefit mm -hmm. um, instead of like a lot of people who, who couldn't use it because of all the salts. They were smart enough to perk it down and reuse it through their well systems. And, you know, uh, it's a long road and it's it's not going to get better. And we can't put a cap on people moving here. And we can't <laughs> growth is growth. And young people are having families as they should. Mm -hmm. And um, it's going to be a tough wagon to catch. It really will. Well, I'm, I, as always, so grateful for your wit and wisdom. And I don't know about the wisdom part, but the wit, <laughs> we always want to keep the wit out in front because you have to smile. You do. And there's tough times coming for all of us and, in, 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 you know, not only our state, but our country and then right down to the very personal lives we lead. So we always want to try to keep a smile and keep moving. I don't know if in your life, but there's been times in my life where I feel like I'm not funny and, and I'm like, I used to be funny. And even my daughter was looking through my Facebook feed one time. She's like, you used to say some funny things. Uh, and, and so it's like, yeah, that was kind of a, a time in my life where I, I didn't have my sense of humor. And it, 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 you're right. It's like to get through those times, we, we really have to be able to smile. step out and, yeah. and find that. Smile. I don't know if it's always a silver lining, but it, you know, it helps, at least, it? yeah, it helps. And, and the, the sense of wit caught Will Rogers and a lot of great people through, and it helps all of us to have a, a smile on our face and a little song in our heart. Yes. And we'll survive it all. And, and inevitably, it will be what it will be, and enjoy it while you're here. Well, I can't think of a better note to end on, especially knowing that you'll have more songs coming yeah, out that I can put in my heart. The campfire <laughs> for the Frenchman. No escargot for me, thanks. Okay. You're but, missing out. Yeah, I'll, I'll bring my guitar. <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah. Thank you so much, Stephen Thank Lee. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Desert Ranch Podcast. We hope we gave you a good look into the lives of those that care for land and livestock far past the 9 to 5 lifestyle. Until we talk again, have a fantastic week. Yeah.